Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and I am coming to you from Germany once again. I am back after a three-week trip through the States, and it was so great to be there, though also somewhat uncomfortable to be there over the month of September, because as many of you know, there was a very controversial Supreme Court nomination and process and eventual confirmation. So a lot of people have some pretty mixed feelings about that, or a lot of people hmm, have very clear feelings against what happened, or very clear feelings for it. It's just been really intense, and I've gotten used to over the last year observing these things from afar, but really being there and having the time to sit down on my parents' couch and watch the entire day of testimony between Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who had put forth sexual assault allegations against Brett Kavanaugh, that was just, it was just really wild. And I was able to spend some time talking to family and friends about how they're feeling about it. One thing that was pretty much across the board is a lot of people felt like it was frustrating to watch and upsetting to watch, and they felt like it didn't matter anyway because nothing that they felt or cared about was going to be implemented by the politicians, which is a pretty depressing attitude to have. So one thing that you can do to have more of an impact on what the politicians are doing is to vote. And as a lot of you know, November 6th is the election day in America, and it is rapidly approaching. This episode is going to be all about voting as an expat or voting as someone who lives lives abroad. So if you are American listening to this abroad, you can still vote. If you are an American listening to this from America, you definitely can vote and you for sure should be and let this episode be an extra kick in the butt to go make sure that you're registered. It's not too late to register. We'll go over that later in the episode, but there's a link in the show notes that can help you figure out when the deadline is for registration and ballot request in your state. If you are a non-American listening to this, you might want to skip ahead to about halfway through. We start talking about what might be more relevant to your interests, which is the rights or lack thereof that expats have to vote in specifically in Germany and then the debate around the general topic overall across the world. If I live somewhere but I'm not a citizen and I don't have voting rights nationally, should I have voting rights locally? It's an interesting topic and our guest this week, Duncan, does a great job of talking us through all of it. So I will say real quick, vote, vote, vote. I'm going to say this a million times throughout the episode, but vote, vote, vote. It's super important. And now here is Duncan to tell you for himself to vote, vote, vote. <laughs> My name is Duncan Grumko. Um, I'm from I'm from Ohio originally. I I came to Freiburg about two years ago. Very cool. Yeah. And you've lived like a million places, right? Yeah, I've traveled a lot. Like basically after college, I lived in Spain for a few months. I lived in Morocco for two years, um, and then I I moved back to DC, and I was in DC for six years before I moved here. So yeah, I've moved around quite a bit in my life. We're here today to talk about voting. Yes. So do you want to tell me how your passion for getting out the vote and things like that started and how your identity as an expat or a traveler has influenced? Yeah, I guess in general, uh, I think voting has been something that I've I've been interested in for more than 10 years. I, I, rem- I remember in undergrad, I wrote a paper about um, reasons for really low voter participation in the United States. And it just fascinated me that in the U.S. that you know, despite being the quote unquote first democracy that people don't take voting very seriously. Um, And in most elections, we have turnout well below 50%. So I always was curious about why that happens and how you can increase voter participation. And then, yeah, moving abroad, 
it's it's just interesting to to live in different countries where there's different levels of democracy and, and but but generally you see everywhere everywhere else I've lived you see that people are just much more excited to vote uh, much more motivated to go to the polls than than Americans are so it's been a yeah a new perspective to live in an, another country where people take voting a little more seriously than we do do you think that in Germany people are, or maybe you know the statistics, are people in Germany more likely to vote? I don't know the exact number, but yeah, I know it's higher than in the U.S. And I think, I mean, it's not only just the, it's not it's not fair to say it's just like the people's motivation is less. It's also how easy it is to vote in one country versus the other. So just a very simple thing that in Germany you vote on a Sunday when everyone has the day off, whereas in the United States you vote on a Tuesday where people have work. Yeah, you see that it's easy. It's generally easier in other countries to vote. I remember um, the first I spent a summer in Germany in 2016, which was their year of the big vote where, um, mm. especially where I was, I was in Baden-Württemberg, but then lower, like by the Bodensee area. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, the federal vote, the Baden-Württemberg like, state vote, and I think some local ones all like collided and then multiple states across the country were all voting. Yeah. Um, and I went with Gordon, my boyfriend, to vote. He just like walked down to the, again, it was a Sunday. Everything was closed anyway. There was nothing else to do. It was just at a school in this little village. And um, what got me like so amazed is first off, there was like no wait or anything. He just walked in and two seconds later was back out and it was a paper ballot. And he was like, yeah, they just count them mm-hmm. at the end. And I was like, wait, what? Where's like the whole secrecy with like the weird machines and all this crazy stuff? I was like, yeah, this is a different... Yeah, a little bit more um, analog, I guess, system than what we're using. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the whole digitalization of, of voting in the U.S., uh, I don't know. I think it just yeah, it makes it a little bit harder, a little bit less uh, concrete, more abstract for people. Um, yeah, so one level of disconnection between people and, and the candidate that they want to elect. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you feel like a little bit removed somehow. Mm. Oh, and then what annoys me about voting in in person in America is usually there's whenever there's like a referendum on a certain topic and they leave it in the legalese. And I think they do put like a plain word version at the end, but I always am like, I just feel like I don't fully understand. You have to do a lot of research or you just have to be like, yeah, yes or no. And it's totally like off the cuff, which is not a great way. Yeah, they really make you, uh, they, they expect a lot in terms, you, you really should do a lot of homework before you go into into vote. And I think that they expect a lot from people in, in that terms. And so, yeah, there might be, especially for a referendum or other kind of more complicated topics, you'll, you'll go and the ballot will be this like, really long sentences and you don't really understand and I think that intimidates people and makes it a little bit harder to go in and vote. So okay you've moved a lot I've also moved a few times within the states and I was in a weird position where I'm from Pennsylvania which is a swing state and I was living in first South Carolina and then Illinois both are pretty Illinois less so but pretty solid in the way that they vote and so I was able to I was in school um, in both of these states so then I was allowed to choose like do I re-register here or do I stay registered back and Pennsylvania. And I have gone with Pennsylvania because then my vote counts more, which is a weird feeling. I think that's a huge, a huge factor in terms of people's motivation for for voting. So I've been registered in Pennsylvania, also in Philadelphia, and in Washington, D.C. And in Washington, D.C., we have one congressperson, but the congressperson is a non-voting member of Congress. We have no representation in, in the Congress. And so I can really understand why people in D.C. would say, well, why is it worth my time to go to the polls if, if I don't even have a representative? And so, OK, other states do have, of course, representation in Congress. But like you say, in, in other states, maybe in South Carolina, there's there's really 
there's no chance of it of one outcome. There's only one candidate's going to win, and so I think that is another reason that uh, turnout can be so so low. What in DC do you vote on then? Just the local issues? Well, so you do. You I mean you do vote for the the shadow member of Congress, the non-voting member of Congress. But then, yeah, you, there's um, council, council, city council members that you vote on. Um, other other local election stuff. There can be local referendum that you vote on. So th- not there. There's stuff to vote on. There's a reason to go to the polls, but. Not not really for the national level politics. Yeah, and it's hard, especially now where um, a lot of news is coming from national sources and not local sources. Uh, how are you going to even know? You'd have to be pretty motivated and involved to know really what's even on the table here. You know, I usually like my local vote is usually almost a side effect of, of the bigger votes, right? And, and not the other way around, which is something I'm working on changing in my own mindset. But I think overall, I think that is true right like it's people go for the big the big thing that's why presidential votes are, are higher turnout and you know. yeah i think i think a lot of people just yeah they know the senator they know the the president they want to vote for and then they vote down ticket so they vote just for the same party throughout the the list but um yeah in dc we don't even have a senator to vote for in the first place <laughs> yeah that's wild yeah it's kind of weird i mean and people living in dc are not the only people that are in this situation so puerto rico as I don't know, a couple million people living there, and they have no, similarly, no representation in Congress. Um, and there's other U.S. territories where people have no representation. There's really no justification for that. It's a bit ironic, given <laughs> yeah. American history and the whole... <laughs> yeah, and our whole idea of taxation without representation, yeah. well, all these people I'm paying taxes and I don't have a representative. But then you can, as a American citizen living abroad, you can vote. Yeah. As so, long as they retain citizenship. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is not the case with many other countries. Um, so many countries, if you live abroad for, say, five years, you actually lose the, the right to vote. So the, it's nice. We, you know, I think we have a privilege in being American citizens that living abroad doesn't you don't, you never lose your, your right to vote just from from living abroad. Even if you've never lived in the United States, even if, if you're born to American parents or otherwise an American citizen when you're born and you never even lived in the U.S., you can still register to vote. So it's a little uniquely fortunate or privileged as U.S. Americans that, you know, we can continue to vote while we're abroad. And it's pretty easy, too. Um, I, I think people maybe who haven't done the process might think it's complicated, but you register, you request your ballot, and you get your ballot and you send it. It's I've done it. Um, I've done it from... I remember the first time I voted from abroad, I was in, like I said, I lived in Morocco, and I was in this little 400-person town, like in, in the middle of nowhere, but... They still, you know, I got my ballot and I filled it out. And that was well, it was really fun to to vote from this little town in, Mor- in Morocco where they, this was 2008. So they were really excited about Barack Obama. But yeah, it, it works no matter, no, no matter where you're living, you can get a ballot and send it. I can definitely attest to it being easier too. And maybe this is just because I did manage to run into people who were able to register me, um, mm-hmm. specifically you. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was living in Illinois, I... I think I had changed my voting to South Carolina. So then when I went to Illinois, I had to change it back to Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. And no one shows up and tells you like, oh, it's time, right? Like maybe you hear about this through social media or a news outlet or something. But by the time I was like, right, I got to get on this now. And then got my ballot sent to me and then filled it out and sent it back. I still to this day, I'm like, it's a little bit touch and go if my vote even got there in time to be counted, which is not a great feeling. And the whole thing, I was like, this just feels like somehow off and wrong. And yeah, one one pro of that process was voting absentee. I did feel like I had the time to then um, 
reference uh, resources and make more educated decisions about how I was voting, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, then you'll know you'll get your ballot and you can take it home and take your time to research candidates and look up the different ref- if there's referendum. So it is. I think it's an advantage that you have a little more time to consider your vote. Absolutely, especially for the local matters, because again, if I had just voted down the ticket, yeah. I mean, that would have been my default reaction. But this time I was actually able to look at the individual candidates and, and choose where their views did or did not align with mine. And I could make different decisions, which I enjoy. Like I'm not someone who necessarily loves making the same voting choices all the time. Like I like to, to make it on a case by case basis when possible. Um, and I was able to I was more empowered to do that through the absentee voting than I was in person. But now that I moved to Germany and I was still just like, I don't know what happens with my voting situation at all. Like, I think I'm still registered in Pennsylvania, but I'm not sure. How do I get the ballot? That was all super easy. I filled out this one form. It was emailed off. Actually, I, I got my email September 19th. I got an email from my, you know, Pennsylvania County saying, here's how to access your ballot, which to be fair is a giant confusing email. <laughs> so I still have yet to, to go through that process. But getting the email so far in advance was awesome. And then also I got a reminder email October 1st being like, hey, just making sure you got it. And here's the deadlines. So that's been awesome. One little piece of information I wanted to throw out there for people is that if the local election board has received your ballot request, then you should get your ballot by September 22nd. So if you think you've submitted a a registration or a ballot request and you haven't gotten your ballot yet, then you should really check in now because it's past September 22nd. The idea then is that they set that deadline because then you have 45 days to before the election to look over the ballot and send it in. Which is like a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. It's really great. Yeah. You do, I was looking it up though, you, or in the email it does say you have to have it postmarked by 11.59 p.m. the night before, right? And then it has to be received no later than a week after. Well, the U.S. is so confusing and complicated this way because it's every state has their own separate rule about when it has to be postmarked, when it has to be received. So you should look up your specific state about when the deadline is. But that is definitely something to be mindful of, that there is a little bit of leeway. But for instance, if I was like, oh, I want to postmark it the day before and wait till the last minute, I wouldn't be received in time. Uh, at least a week ahead of time, you should be sending it, if not, if, you know, ideally more. Right. And especially based on where you're located around yeah. the world. Yeah. And I also looked up if I hadn't been registered yet, let's say I am a listener of the XBatCast and I hear this and I'm like, right, I should get on this. It's not too late for a lot of states. So this will come out on October 11th. And if I was listening to this and thought, hey, like, that's a great idea. I want to get on that. In some states, it is too late for this election, but in many of them, it's not. It's pretty easy. There's a website, uh, votefromabroad.org, um, and you could go there. And there's there's one form both for your registration and for your ballot request. It's the same form, and you send that off. And it's definitely, well, you should check out your state's specific deadline, but for almost all the states, it's it's not too late. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes, that link, as well as the there's a New York Times article that lists every state and their deadlines. So I'll oh, put cool. those both in. Yeah. Don't be discouraged. Don't think it's too late. There's still time to get it in for this November 6th election. Yeah, about one month from yesterday, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I did almost feel like taking it back when I saw that first email that gave me the 45 days because especially this year in 2018, there's a lot that's happening with the Supreme Court like this week and the side effects of that are going to be felt in the next few weeks and, and far beyond as well. But um, in terms of people's voting choices, you know, I thought, okay, if I'd done it right away when I got it, you know, there, there is different information that comes out closer to election time that might influence your vote. But overall, I think, I, I don't think it was too much of a 
problem for me personally, but it was something to be mindful of. Like, okay, do I want to wait till more like mid-October to do this? But and you definitely, yeah, you definitely can wait. Um, just be sure to check your state's deadline. <laughs> the last two years, it's like every day there's there's a lot of big news. So it's, def- it's definitely possible that something can come out and um, change your mind. So there's no harm in waiting as long as you get it in on time. But yeah, especially, uh, you know, we just had this Kavanaugh confirmation of course, that's all decided by the Senate. And just in case anyone's listening who is not familiar with U.S. political system, do you want to give a quick clarification on what Congress basically, on what the Senate is and what, oh, okay. House, yeah, what yeah. Representative says? In, in Congress, we have uh, two, two houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate. And basically, the House is the lower house and the Senate is the upper house. House elections are, are more local. They're based on local districts. So like, you know, one state might have... 10 or 15 or 30 or 50 local districts and each of those districts has a has a representative whereas the senate there's two senators per state and you they're just voted in at the state level it means that the two bodies they reflect a different america so to say so california you know a lot of people live in in california and they have two senators and then wyoming or rhode island have less than a million people or so and they also have two senators so it just means that rural states are proportionally less well represented in the Senate, whereas in the House of Representatives, it's done based on the population of the state. So California has a proportional representation in the House, whereas they don't in the Senate. The House representatives are voted on every two years, whereas the Senate is every six years. And another thing with that is that there's also a huge discrepancy in voter turnout between every two years versus every four years, because people are way more aware of the importance of voting for a president and way less aware or engaged about voting for just, just in air quotes, um, Congress, right? So that's another effort that a lot of people involved in voting rights um, are trying to work towards. And it can be, I mean, it can, it's about twice as many people are voting in presidential elections compared to elections where there's only, only in quotes, um, a House or Senate election. So I, I think it's unfortunate that I mean, U.S. politics tends to be really president-focused. The Congress is a whole another branch of government, a co-equal branch with, with the executive branch. And for whatever reason, we don't really focus as much on Congress, even though they're just as important as the president. And especially considering that senators are in there for six years, that, that's quite a while. Yeah, and we, and we just saw the Senate, you know, the Senate confirms a Supreme Court just, justice and the Supreme Court justice is confirmed for life. So the Senate's an extremely powerful body. It's definitely important to vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this, this I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know what our, the political leanings of our, our listeners are, but it's, um, yeah, I think it's an important election because, well, right, right now, the, the House, the Senate and the White House is all held by the same party. And I think that that gives that party quite a bit of power. And if either the House or the Senate flip to Democrats, then they'd be able to kind of keep the Republican in check a little bit more. So I think it's, yeah, it's an extremely important election. And that's generally how it is envisioned that this all functions, right? It's this whole concept of checks and balances. And no matter who the reigning party is, if it's all the same, you're going to have less debate amongst, you know, should we do this, should we not on any given topic. So yeah, and actually there's, well, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but there's a lot of interesting kind of research about how in, in a lot of times when the government is divided, when there's two parties in, in power in, in the Congress and the White House, um, there's actually more legislation passed during these times of divided government versus unified government, which is a little bit counterintuitive. You'd think that if one party was in power, then they would have, yeah, then the, the ability to push through whatever law they like, but that's not necessarily the case. So 
I, yeah, I think um, kind of a balance of power is better than the current situation. Yeah, and even if someone listening disagrees with that and they're yeah. loving the way it's running and they want to keep going, gotta vote, gotta vote to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to vote. I'm happy when any anyone's registering Democrat or Republican or or neither party. I'm happy that anyone can express their political view through the vote. And if you need more incentive, if you are listening to this in the States and you are able to vote in the States in person, you often get a fun little sticker. <laughs> and some cities will have little perks where you can go to a certain coffee shop and get a free donut or whatnot if you're wearing your I Voted sticker. Yeah, that's nice. I, I'd like to see more of that. I, I, I do wish I do wish I got a sticker voting abroad. I don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd walk around Freiburg with, the, yeah. with my I Voted sticker. <laughs> well, they do sometimes do voting parties at... The different cultural centers. Yeah, the Carl Schultz House has an election results watching party where you stay up all night and watch the results come in. Um, Maybe they'll have stickers. Yeah, <laughs> I think friends so. at the Carl Schultz House. And I know, <laughs> I know they they often tend to have. You know, I can't make any promises about that event, but in general, they have pretty good food. So. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Another perk. <laughs> Look, so many reasons to yeah. be civically engaged. <laughs> exactly. Um, are there other things that you'd like to talk about specifically with American elections? So there are, I don't know if people are aware, but there are there are 9 million Americans that live outside of the U.S. So that's about the size of New Jersey or Virginia. So it'd be like, the I think, the 10th or 11th state largest in terms of population if we were one state. So it's a huge group of people. But they're really not so engaged. Um, so typically in midterm elections, about 4% of Americans abroad are voting. So it's a really, really low number. And I think that there's, um, given, given how many, many of us there are, we could be a much more influential voice. We have to get to the ballot box and do it. So yeah, that's my last plug. Not even <laughs> to the ballot box. You just got to get on yeah. your little computer and type it on up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy, friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. Like the vote, the, yeah, the vote from abroad website, it'll take you like two, three minutes to fill it out. It's, it's not complicated. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> okay. So then I also know that you're pretty involved in a group in Freiburg that likes to represent, or I don't know what classification they, or term they like to use, but any kind of immigrant or expat or foreigner living in Freiburg slash in Germany. Yeah. So their term would be non-EU citizens. It's a group called Valkreis 100%, and it's a nonprofit that, well, their headquarters are based here in Freiburg, but they're active in other cities in Germany as well. And their basic mission is to get local communal voting rights. So not not at a national level, but for local elections, they like for non-EU citizens to be able to vote in these elections. And it's not like a really radical idea. In Europe as a whole, there are 15 countries where non-EU citizens are able to vote in local elections. For me, I think, like, I, I don't know if you're if you're living in a place and you're paying taxes and you're being a member of society there that, you, you know, you should have a, a say in, in terms of who's representing you in, in government. The biggest way, they, they have um, smaller events throughout the year, but the sort of their, their main thing that they're doing is they do symbolic elections at the same time as the German federal elections. So in Freiburg, they had like 15 different kind of fake polling booths uh, set up around the city, and they had a couple of um, mobile voting booths, and they went around and collected votes from non-EU citizens um, to make a, a symbolic vote. Yeah, and they, so they do that every, every time there's a German national election in order to really raise awareness about the number of non-EU citizens that are living in Freiburg. So it's, it's 20,000 people living in Freiburg that are non-EU citizens that don't have a right to vote in a city of about 200,000 people. So they just want to raise awareness about 
uh, how many of us there are here and try to advocate for their right to participate in local, local government. And for this term non-EU citizens, does that imply or mean that EU citizens could vote? Yeah, EU citizens. So it's funny, like, uh, yeah, there's a Spanish guy in the Valkyries group and he, he's able to vote in, in local elections. So it's hmm. it's non-EU citizens that are not able to vote. They, after having lived here for three months, then you have the right to vote as an EU citizen. Okay, because I've, I've, when sort of debating the general topic of like, should foreigners living in any location be allowed to vote or no? That's something that gets brought up a lot is, you know, on the con side, if you're here, let's say you're studying abroad for college, if you had a right to vote, you vote for a bunch of stuff that you as a college student might value and then you leave. And the impact that you might be having on this place after you're gone is for some people a con because it seems like, you know, why, why does your vote matter just as much as someone who's you know, yeah. born and raised here, for instance? Yeah, I definitely I definitely see that side of the argument. Uh, yeah, the example, especially is people, people who know that they're going to be here temporarily. I can see why you'd say that there, ne- there needs to be, of course, some kind of minimum amount of time that you lived in a place in order to be able to vote there yeah to me i'm i'm happy to like have a debate about what's the the long i don't personally have a really strong feeling about what is the right amount of time how you know does, is it three months is it six months do you have to you know whatever have a job here I, i'm happy to talk about what are the different criteria by which you'd be able to vote but my point is just that there should be there should be some criteria there should be some way to achieve local voting rights there is some movement or some some parties in Germany that do believe that foreigners uh, or, or non-EU citizens should be able to vote in, in federal elections too, which I, I personally would categorize as somewhat of a, not a totally different debate, but either a different debate or an extreme take on, um, on something. So I just wanted to point that out to just say that I'm aware that that's a thing and what you're talking about is not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. And so my, I say, I'd say my personal belief is I'd, I'd advocate as well for ability to vote in national elections too. That's, that's my opinion, but that's not what this group is advocating for. They're really just focusing on, on local elections as, as a kind of first start. Yeah. Yeah, because it's also interesting when you get to talking about there are different le- different levels that you can be at in terms of immigration status to be living in a place, and that comes with different levels of rights or lack thereof. So, you know, there is in Germany, I know a lot of, especially Americans living abroad who are unwilling to give up their U.S. citizenship. Um, imagine if they have families back there and they don't want to have to get a visa every time they go visit, but they've lived here and they're intending to live here for maybe forever, and, and they they have to make this choice based on permanent residency has basically all of the perks of a citizen other than voting. Um, and for some people, that's fine. And they're willing to or they're willing to, to sacrifice that in order to maintain their voting rights in the U.S. But that's also a topic of debate if that's fair. You know, if, if I, for instance, with someone who knows I'm staying in Germany my whole life, why do I still get a say in what happens in in my state in my town back in the states yeah we have a friend um a close friend here in freiburg who's an american guy who's who's lived in freiburg for 35 years now and i don't want to speak on his behalf but i think he had a you know has a tough decision about it whether to trade his u.s citizenship for his for german citizenship and he he hasn't and he's sticking with the u.s citizenship Uh, but that means that he still can't vote in, in german elections despite being here for 35 years so I don't know, that's kind of a complicated topic about uh, multiculturalism and identity and, you know, can you be binational? Can you, you know, can you have, can you be German and American or German and another nationality at the same time? I think you can. I think you can feel American and German, in, uh, you know, in some complicated way together. And I'd, I'd like that there'd be a way for people like that to, 
to be able to express themselves politically, express their identity politically. And especially if you zoom into the local level, what Volkreis is, is working on, like you said, you are paying tax, well, you pay taxes into the entire system, but you're you're definitely not only paying taxes into the local system, but you're also active in that community. You might have a job, you might have children, et cetera. Yeah, and yeah especially, yeah, there's lots of, lots of immigrants here with kids and their kids are going to school and they're really integrated into the community in a number of ways, but it's just the political part is, is not there. And if people were interested in learning more about this nonprofit, yeah. where can they go? Yeah, um, well, I don't know if we, we can link to the website in Definitely. the show notes, um, but it's yeah, if you Googled Valkreis 100%, they have a... A web page and they have a Facebook group. And you said they're all around Germany. Yeah, no, it's definitely strongest in Freiburg because the founder and the main group is here in Freiburg. But if this law was to change, it would have to happen at the German federal level. So it would have to be a national wide change to give non-EU citizens voting rights. So yeah, they 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 basically coordinate with other groups to do symbolic elections in um, other cities. I think in the last last election, it was something like maybe 10 other cities where they had um, a local group that they were working with that did a symbolic election. So it's not just for Freiburg, although it's definitely strongest in Freiburg. And I would imagine that there's similar efforts in other areas. Do you yeah. know if that's true or not? In other parts of Germany, or in, sorry, even, yeah. in, even in other countries, there are, yeah, there are other activists working for, for voting rights. So it's it's definitely not just Freiburg. I just would say, I like, I when I talk to people about this, I think a lot of times their kind of first reaction to it is negative, negative in the sense that they, they don't think that non-EU citizens should have a voting right. And I, 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 I get that. Like it's a it's a first it's your first reaction is like, what, you know, you should be a citizen to, to be able to vote in a place and I belong to the community in order to be able to vote in a place. And I think that's kind of understandable first reaction. But I, I think that people that I've talked with who maybe then We've, I've had follow-up conversations with them. I've talked to them about it over weeks and months. I think that if you think about it a little longer, that um, there's some sense to it, that if if you're a person living here, contributing to the community, interacting with the community, that it's natural that you'd be able to have a say in like the politics of the community. And I'll, another thing about it is that I think that giving this right to non-EU citizens is a, is a way to improve integration. Because I think that me personally, I, I, you know, to be honest, I am less informed about local Freiburg elections than I would be if, if I knew I could go to the ballot box. Um, so, I mean, I, I do follow local news, but I think that if I had a vote that I would pay more attention to it and I'd argue with local people about politics. And so I think that giving people a, a voice in politics is, is a way to, to improve integration as well. That's a really good point, because I was actually just telling someone yesterday that it's been such an experience going through the last year plus of American politics as an expat. But at the same time, I used to read more, um, intentionally seek out more news about German politics. And at the beginning, I was reading up on Freiburg news, um, but I have noticed myself incrementally detached from that, which I think is both a reaction to feeling overwhelmed by tracking my own country. But then it's also, it could tie into it. Like, I, I don't know if I'm consciously disengaging because I can't vote, but I know that if I were able to vote, it would change my perspective on like, okay, yeah. then I should get back into this. And I do, I do generally think that that is something I could do better with regardless of voting rights. Um, I'm not saying that it's, you know, good on me for, <laughs> for not caring or not following. Um, and I do, you know, I do care and I do follow somewhat, but 
yeah, it's a, it's a different level of motivation if you feel like you're going to have a hand in it. For me right now, it's kind of nice to feel a little disengaged from someone's politics <laughs> because I can feel really overwhelmed. But long term, yeah, it shifts your mindset. And the other interesting thing that I learned in, in doing this was that Valkreis, you know, they did this this voting and I think they had a few thousand votes. And then they actually, you know, tallied up the support for different political parties and I don't know if it's a surprise to listeners, but it was a surprise to me that so 40% of the vote went to CDU and it was Delinka and SPD were in second and third with around 15 or so percent. So I don't know if others have this assumption, but I think uh, I had the assumption that this would be a group that would be more supportive of, of the left, but um, that's not necessarily true. Um, and so I think that, yeah, we shouldn't kind of assume one way or the other which way people are going to vote. And ideally, that shouldn't be part of our calculation. We shouldn't be worrying about, um, or, or are they going to vote for Dilink or whomever? Yeah, we shouldn't have to count it. They should just have the vote regardless of if they're voting CDU, CDU or whomever. But it is interesting to see. And CDU is, is the ruling party in Germany, and it's Angela Merkel's party. It's also, um, I think it's considered center-right, but now some people would argue that it's more center-left. But either way, it's a pretty middle-of-the-road choice. And where we are in Freiburg, um, the community is, is very liberal. I'm not sure exactly how yeah. that broke down the last election, but I would imagine... I know Die Linke, the, the left, is, is very active here. Yeah, um, so that's like, just to for context, I think that compared to local Freiburg voting is, is further kind of to the right than what happened here in, in Freiburg local elections. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right, so with that, we're going to officially around the corner and head to home okay. <laughs> <laughs> and get to our ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round. I'm going to ask you three questions. The goal is do not think it or overthink it. Just give me your gut answer. I made some of these voting themed, okay. given the topic at hand. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. If the German government and the German football teams were to be switched, what position do you think that Merkel would play? <laughs> uh, I'd say goalie. If the... Harry Potter houses were political parties. So you've got Ravenclaw, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, Gryffindor. Who would you vote for? Um, Hufflepuff. I think that they like have the best values really in, in their house that I think they're more like um, inclusive and caring than the other houses, I guess. <laughs> Follow up question. Are you a Hufflepuff? No, I think I'm a Ravenclaw. That actually checks out because <laughs> Ravenclaws are like logical to some yeah. law, right? And it's like this logical choice of like, well, they have very good qualities. <laughs> um, also, Hufflepuffs are like famously proud to be Hufflepuffs. So I'm sure you just made a lot of people very happy <laughs> with that choice. Yeah. All right. And final question. If you had to vote what the best thing to do in Germany is in fall, what would you vote for? Well, I, I mean, I like hiking any time of year, but this time of year, the, the leaves are changing and the mountain's really beautiful and the, the climate's nice. So I'd say do hiking. Solid. Yeah. All right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your XXX. And that was the episode. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. There you have it, folks. Voting rights with Duncan. Thank you again, Duncan, for coming on the show and sharing with us all of this super helpful information. As I said, tons of resources in the show notes. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the topic of if people living in a different country where they're not a citizen should still have voting rights. So head over to social media to give us your feedback there. We are at the Expat Cast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. You can also shoot us an email at theexpatcast at gmail.com. And I would also love to hear your opinion on this week's XXX because 
because after we finished up recording, I asked a couple other people some of these questions and got some interesting responses, both around the question about Merkel playing football and about the question of which Hogwarts house we would vote for. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And if you do answer the Harry Potter one, of course, you have to tell me what your house is. <laughs> Thank you as always to our producer, Gordon Eisenach, my partner in life and in podcasting. Thank you to Amy Lungy Art for the logo and to Sidehug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at the hug from the side. Next week, we'll be back in your feeds with an episode all about apartment hunting in Germany. So send in any questions you have about that. Until then, have a great week.